In Father Teresa's Wine Cellar, we believe all oppression is intersectional. And this means our analysis of current events frequently includes discussion of difficult and explicit content. Any combination of the following topics could be included in our show. Murder, rape, war, climate change, racism, sexism, violence, sexual violence, homophobic violence, heterocentrism, discrimination and abuse against individuals of nonconformist sexuality, domestic violence, child abuse, child rape, child neglect, elderly abuse, verbal abuse, police brutality, microaggressions, ableism, cyberbullying, genital mutilation, ideological extremism, and people just being total fucking assholes. Okay, fuck capitalism. <laughs> A little more. <laughs> fuck, 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 fuck. Capitalism, capitalism, capitalism. Uh, Anthony Clark calling back in. Second time <laughs> on the show. Doing the audio check. One, two, one, two. Audio check. One, two, one, two. Talk some shit about the evils and ills of this capitalistic society that we all live in. <laughs> Yo! Yo, Anthony Clark, you know what? <coughs> so I said I press record to check your decibels, <laughs> and they look good, but I'm not going to hit stop because what you said right there is the perfect opener for the show. So we're going to keep it, and we're just going to keep rocking. Phoenix Kalita has a cup of water. All right. I do. Yeah. Yes. Anthony Clark, back up in this motherfucker. This yes. is a stone cold yes. dope. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Running for Congress, mm-hmm. yo. Late, 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 hey, you know. thank y'all, thank y'all for having me back. And don't let anyone ever tell your ass that a sequel is not better than the original. Uh, <laughs> you about to kill this. <laughs> oh shit! And this is why it's called the Black Podcast. All right. <laughs> All right, Phoenix Kalita. <laughs> yes. You um, go. You go ahead and correspond with the homeboy. <laughs> yes. Um, so I think you tweeted about it. Um, Eddie Johnson got fired. You want to talk about that real quick? I mean, hey, you know, I thought it was, I thought it was real interesting. You know, I mean, you know, of course I'm from Chicago, so we have a a long history of just, uh, fractured relationships, uh, you know, under our police forces, you know, Mm -hmm. this police regime that we have. Yes. Uh, so I just thought it was real interesting to see that he was fired in the way that he was and what our current mayor, uh, Lori Lightfoot, the reasons that she gave, mm-hmm. uh, you know, were ironic to me uh, because she stated that, you know, Eddie was, you know, he was untruthful. He was dishonest. Uh, you know, he hid things from her. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, I'm like, well, aren't we talking about the entire fucking police force? Like they do this <laughs> right. on a daily, you know, right. so you're firing one person, you know, so to me, uh, that, that was some scapegoat type stuff uh, because again we cannot trust our entire police force and I think that's why in Chicago uh, you know we've been really fighting for there have been individuals that have been on the ground for years you know fighting for CPAC you know uh, a civilian police accountability council you know putting uh, the people in charge of you know or helping put people in charge of and providing them with a voice in regards to police oversight uh, you know, it's extremely important because right now they lack accountability. They lack transparency. Mm-hmm. They definitely lack trust in our communities. Uh, and I think too often, you know, we see it across the board politically and socially. 
uh, institutions that are inherently <laughs> racist, like, you know, the police institution as it is, is, is racist. You know, if right. you look historically, police came to be, as we know, uh, to protect white supremacy, to protect capitalism, to keep slaves in check. Mm-hmm. So the institution is corrupt, is broken. But when you put a black face in charge of broken institutions, you do have some people that think, oh, you know, things have changed. Similar to putting that black face in a, in a presidential seat, right? Mm-hmm. Barack Obama, you know, oh, things have changed. But <laughs> Uh, again, systemic racism means that they have not. So, yeah, I, I posted about it because I just thought it was real funny how, you know, uh, a black man losing his position. I believe they hope that looks as if, you know, they're getting tough on, you know, tough on responsibility and accountability. But yet the systemic issues remain. Mm-hmm. One of the most interesting things about that to me was, um, first of all, he was only about three weeks away from retiring. So it's like, right. really, you wouldn't even let him retire. That's, you know, interesting for their tough on police thing. But I think the most interesting part to be is when he got the job, remember, like, right after he started, he was talking all kinds of wild stuff like, um, I've never seen police corruption. I've never seen police brutality. And then people were like, are you fucking serious right now? And he's like, well, think about it. If you're, Because he said some shit like, think about it. If you're an ethical person or you're anti-police corruption, the corrupt cops aren't going to behave badly in front of you. That's why I've never seen it. And now he's literally being fired for being a corrupt cop. And it's like, oh, right, okay. Right. I mean, they, you know, at this point, they, they really, you know, you know, they protect themselves. You know, they circle the wagons and they make sure that, again, their institution uh, will never be held to the standards it needs to be held to. I mean, you have individuals walking around uh, with essentially a license to kill, you know, and, mm-hmm. and the will to do so. You know, we are being hunted. Uh, you know, articles have come out stating that, I mean, death by police is a leading cause of death mm-hmm. for black men. And I would dare say black women as well, you know, and yeah. we don't even talk about how our police interact with our black trans community, our, you know, black gay community, mm-hmm. uh, communities of color overall. Uh, it's a huge issue. You know, it's, it's pervasive. I believe it's an epidemic. And, you know, I'm at the point now where, of course, we say abolish ICE in regards to, you know, uh, immigration reform and, and, and the travesties that our immigrant families are facing. But we really need to abolish po- the police institution as it is currently constructed, uh, because I don't believe that you can reform broken institutions. You know, you need to dismantle, destroy, and we need to push for revolution and, and rebuilding, you know, if that makes sense. It does. It makes dollars and cents. Shout out to DJ Quick. And the um, what, hey. you, <laughs> what you said earlier there, um, you have CPAC. What does that stand for again? Uh, so Civilian Police Accountability Council, I believe. Uh, so CPAC is being pushed for. Uh, you know, they, they've been organized, 100% boots to the ground, grassroots. And essentially... You know, when police officers, you know, run afoul of the law, uh, when police officers are under question for their behavior, how they're interacting with the community, if anything happens from a police shooting uh, to excessive force, so on and so forth, essentially police officers are holding police officers accountable. And I think we all know that when you have your own institution responsible for your punishment or for your uh, investigation, we are not going to get transparency. We are not going to reach justice. Uh, so what wonderful individuals within our communities have been boosted to the ground and organizing around are, you know, placing civilians in power, providing civilians uh, seats at the table and allowing them to have an influential voice in how we hold our police officers and our police institutions accountable. But, of course, you know, with Rahm in office before his ass, his bogus ass left, 
there was extreme pushback. And now we have, you know, our current mayor, Lori Lightfoot, who she's trying to push her own agenda. So she has what's called GAPA. Uh, so she wants GAPA, which still provides, you know, basically primary control to police forces for them to make their decisions in regards to how they investigate and hold themselves accountable. Uh, so CPAC is extremely important. And, you know, I just salute the individuals out there uh, that I've been fighting for. You know, I stand 100 percent in solidarity with them and believe that, again, you know, again, you know, we're not at the point now where we're going to dismantle, dismantle the entire institution of policing, even though I believe it needs to be dismantled. So until then, uh, the least, the very least we can do is empower the citizens uh, that have been just oppressed, beaten, murdered and uh, discriminated against. Uh, by the current institution. Now, now the um, the folks that Lori Lightfoot is with, uh, what's the name of that again? So GAPA. Uh, you don't even ask me what it stands for, uh, but I know <laughs> she's pushing GAPA. Uh, all I know is I'm 100% for CPAC. Uh, you know, and the GAPA, again, is better than what is presently uh, in place. But again, it's still, it still cedes too much control and too much power uh, to police institutions, mm-hmm. and we have to get away from that, uh, you know, because I think, you know, again, I don't have to speak for you all, because you all live it, I live it, so many people live it, if they don't, you've even seen it, you may ignore it, but it exists, uh, we have systemic issues in our communities, uh, and it, it has to change. Yeah, actually, GAPA stands for uh, Grassroots Alliance for Police Accountability. <laughs> 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 there, there you go. There you go. And, Which, and for me, there's really nothing grassroots about it. You know, no, true 100 percent grassroots for me. The people are in charge, you know. So mm-hmm. we have some wonderful uh, city council members, DSA, Democratic Socialists of America, city council members, uh, you know, pushing for CPAC. But again, you know, you have to make concessions at times. Uh, so GAPA may be, you know, what, what, gets, what gets put in place while we continue to fight for CPAC. But I don't believe in 2019 in incrementalism. Like, of course, you know, politically you have to make some concessions. Mm -hmm. But I believe if you have to make some concessions, you continue to give every fucking thing you have to fight for justice, true justice. Um, So I I don't think it's enough to go halfway, half measures. Incrementalism is garbage. Uh, So we have to go the whole way. It's 2019. You know, it's it's past time uh, that we truly have uh, freedom and empowerment of the people. All right. And folks, uh, once again, this is uh, Anthony Clark running for Congress back on the wine cellar. And this is the candidate that lets you know you need to peep game on a real candidate. And that is the first segment. We're going to keep on moving forward. WineCellarMedia.com. How do you feel? I feel... I feel amazing. Is this how men feel? All the time. Even the ugly ones. And back on, Phoenix Khalida, you have a question for Anthony Clark. Uh, Yeah, I know we talked about uh, a lot of your political stances last time you were on, but is there anything you wanted to reiterate? I know you were very passionate about climate change. Um, I know we talked a lot about wealth inequality. Um, I'm not sure last time that you talked much about your experience as a teacher. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, what I tell people, you know, like you say, peep games, speak truth to power. Uh, We have to realize, you know, because I think we have so many individuals in positions of power and positions that make decisions that have privilege, uh, that haven't lived the struggle, but have read about it. And for some reason, think because they read about it, you know, they have an understanding of it. 
uh, and that's not the case. You know, the issues we face are interconnected and they're systemic and they require interconnected solutions. So with our campaign, I'm part of a movement. It's bigger than one individual. It's bigger than one race. We're truly pushing for, you know, Medicare for all. We're truly pushing for a Green New Deal. We're truly pushing for a homes guarantee, housing for all, a federal jobs guarantee. Uh, you know, all these things are interconnected, you know, uh, comprehensive gun reform, immigration reform, uh, educational reform, into the war on drugs, legalization of cannabis with a focus on racial justice and reparations. And we could go on, you know, into all wars, addressing white supremacy and domestic terrorism, uh, you know, women's equality, uh, LGBTQIA plus equality. We could go on and on, but all these issues are interconnected. You know, too often in the past, so many people, I believe, have gotten behind like a single issue candidate or, or they only care about a single issue that impacts them. But because we're all in this class war, uh, ultimately, you know, it's the oppressed versus the oppressors. <laughs> we have to be about all the issues. We cannot wait and sit back until the issue impacts us for it to impact us, if that makes sense. So we're truly out here fighting, you know, with boots to the ground on a daily basis. We're in the hood knocking on doors. You know, speaking to grandmamas, mamas, daddies, and they, uh, you know, everyone, uh, just about this important uh, movement that we're part of. You know, because I'm a democratic socialist, and I think the establishment has done, uh, and I don't want to say an excellent job, but they have for their for their viewpoint because they want to maintain status quo. Like Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, the Black Panther Party. You know, Fred Hampton is someone that you know I grew up under and, and just studied. These were socialists. You know, these are socialist movements. The civil rights movement is a socialist movement. But I believe that, you know, particularly I don't want to overgeneralize, but a lot of people in black and brown communities, particularly the older voters, they don't identify that. You know, they don't make those connections and, and they view a socialist movement as not one of us or not for us. Uh, but again, we're about reparations. We're about black empowerment. So we've been out there and that's what we're pushing. Uh, and you also mentioned, you know, something that we didn't really talk about. And one thing I want to, you know, say, you know, I'm for Bernie Sanders. You know, I'm supporting the Bernie Sanders presidency, uh, you know, 100 percent behind because I believe he's the only candidate that identifies that capitalism is the root cause issue along with white supremacy. Uh, so you cannot beat capitalism with capitalism. Uh, we really need a revolution. But one thing I also believe in is accountability. So maybe we could talk more about, uh, you know, the decriminalization of sex work, because I truly believe that that's an essential policy platform and ideology that is lacking uh, from Bernie Sanders' current platform. And, you know, so I'm trying to use my position. You know, I'm, I'm low on the totem pole, right. but I'm going to be loud as hell and, and do everything I can, you know, to get Bernie and his team to understand that you cannot be for workers' rights. You cannot be for women's rights. You cannot be for trans rights, overall LGBTQIA plus rights. Uh, you know, without being for sex workers' rights, because sex workers work. Uh, so that has to be part of our interconnected solutions also to full decriminalization. Yes. Yo, so check it, right? So Phoenix Kaleeder, since she's been uh, platformed since 2014, now she's on the board of the organization um, SWOP, Sex Workers Outreach Project, and she's been mm -hmm. um, down to Capitol Hill. Phoenix Kaleeder has waded through the swamp. And uh, I know. And she's um, she has um, lobbied with Sanders staffers. And Phoenix Kaleeder did not work alone. Many folks on the Twitters, on the Facebooks, have uh, been tagging the Bernie Sanders campaign and himself. And Bernie Sanders changed his stance on sex workers' rights. Phoenix Kaleeder, go ahead and speak on it. 
All right. So initially, he was very supportive of Sesta Fosta, um, had been slightly leaning towards the Nordic model. Now, hasn't said decrim, but has said, you know, those magic words open to learning about, which obviously isn't a guarantee, but that is a huge step in the right direction. And as far as pretty much everybody who's running is one of the most leftist positions thus far. Um, Because I know Kamala's talking about the Nordic model. Elizabeth Warren hasn't specified, but it sounds like she's going to be Nordic model. Um, A lot of the other folks running are still everybody in part. Anybody who's participating should uh, be arrested and criminalized. So I'm happy that he's on the willing to talk about it. I tweet about it often and at him be like, hey, you know, fellow Bernie bros, because we're all white men, apparently. Um, You know, fellow Bernie bros, you know, tweet at Bernie about this. Let's talk about this. And yeah, I think if he would even just put in. Um, repeal SESTA FOSTA, that would be a huge uh, policy shift and platform shift. That would be incredibly helpful, um, not only to encourage sex workers to vote because they would feel like they have a voice, but also um, just to start like that conversation about decriminalizing sex work, you know? I would love to see it. Mm-hmm. I would yeah. love to see it. Yeah, and No, actually- no, and I, you know, from the bottom <laughs> of my heart, you know, as someone who aims to earn allyship, like, you can't call yourself an ally. It's not a noun. It's a verb form. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as someone who aims to earn that, you know, from sex workers, you know, I truly, you know, thank you know, allies of sex workers and, and, you know, lobbies, you know, fighting for decriminalization of sex work. You know, I truly thank you, Phoenix, for all the work that you do. Oh, and you. you've helped me grow. You know, you've helped me learn. I learn every day. Uh, so shout out to you and much love. Uh, you know, and, and again, I'm gonna give everything I have uh, uh, to fight for this. You know, because it's that important. And you know, I have a question for you. I'm gonna flip the script. Okay. You know, what do you feel? What do you feel about the Nordic model? Uh, you know, because I'll be personally honest. You know, I, I believe that there's some problems with the Nordic model uh, of decriminalization. <laughs> but I would love to hear from you because, again, I'm not a sex worker. Uh, I'm not, you know, someone who's been fighting for, you know, I'm fighting for it now, but I haven't been steeped in the fight all of my life. Right. So I would just love to hear, you know, your opinion in regards to the Nordic model. Okay. So I hate the Nordic model. It is incredibly awful. Um, yeah. You should also, you should also know it's, uh, it's also known sometimes as a Swedish model. Um, there's, uh, what is his name? Seth Meyers and his wife are on this human trafficking campaign or whatever and they're now calling it the equality model but no matter what you call it it's the same model and typically it's called the nordic model because it originated in scandinavian countries right so it's in like denmark nor norway sweden so on and so forth and the premise behind that model is that all sex work is inherently violent and bad for women Mm -hmm. so they criminalize clients Mm -hmm. but selling sexual services is legal so, you know, if it were, right. you know, in America, you know, both parties would be getting arrested over there. It's only clients. And people think that's good, but some of the problems with it are, first of all, because um, there's still all these pimping and trafficking laws, but the way that they're being implemented means that uh, if you rent an apartment and your job is a sex worker, your landlord can be charged um, for, you know, uh, promoting prostitution by renting to you. So sex workers are routinely evicted. Um, if you have two sex workers living in one apartment working together, that counts then as a brothel. So sex workers who aren't being pimped, because, you know, mind you, they say that this is for protection to prevent trafficking and things like that. But two sex workers who live together, rent an apartment together and do sex work as their job are now charged with trafficking each other. Right. It's like wow. that's not how that's supposed to work. Right. 
And actually, it's uh, hugely xenophobic in a lot of ways because a lot of the sex workers who um, get these brothel-keeping charges end up being deported. And so when clients do abuse them or anyone abuses them, they can't report to police because they're going to get evicted and then get deported, like, out of the country. So there was actually a case in Ireland a couple months ago where a pregnant sex worker got a jail sentence of nine months, so the length of her pregnancy, and then she has to go back to Romania when, uh, you know, all that time is served. And it's just like, this isn't actually helping women. And then, of course, the typical things that police do, right? So they'll... Uh, If they think someone's a sex worker, they'll stop and search you. If they find condoms, boom, proof you're a sex worker. But now, even though technically you haven't committed a crime because selling sexual services isn't a crime, they're still allowed to follow you and harass you because your clients are criminals. So they can follow you, surveil you, record you having sex, so on and so forth, as evidence of a crime, and then dox you by calling you into court to testify as a witness because you were a witness to a crime. So it's like hugely um, misleading the way it's framed as being something that helps women because it's not helpful at all, (laughs) you know, in a lot of ways. And I agree. You know, I think probably the most pertinent case is actually not even about a sex worker per se when it comes to the Nordic model. And I wish more folks knew about this story and would talk about it. Um, In Sweden, there was a bar and some Asian women of Asian descent were trying to enter the bar and were denied by the bar Mm -hmm. And the bouncers said, well, there's Asian sex workers in this area. How do we know you're not affiliated with them? And the Asian women, wow. who, yeah, they were not actually the ones who got denied entrance were not sex workers. So they sued the bar for racial discrimination and they lost because the court ruled wow. that it's, yeah, the court ruled that it's legal to deny entry or services to a person if you think they might be affiliated with a sex worker. And it's like. That's already terrifying to know that in, you know, a so-called, you know, uh, what, like a cultured, industrialized nation like Sweden that that's happening. But based on um, racial discrimination here, like our grandparents couldn't be in white owned businesses. Can you imagine what would happen if they passed a law like that here that would legalize racial discrimination if you think the person is a sex worker? (laughs) So anyways, you know what? The Nordic model is trash. I just want to, you know. Again, thank you, you know, because, and I hope, again, I'm not perfect. Like, I learn every day. I make mistakes as a human being. But I just, whoever listens to this, you know, I hope you peep that. You know, like, I listen. I step back, uh, you know, because I have a level of privilege and I don't know everything. So I thank you for dropping knowledge on me. I thank you for dropping knowledge on whoever listens to this uh, because that's real, you know. And I think we need to model that more and say that we don't know everything if we don't know everything and listen to the people with knowledge, listen to the people with experience. Uh, and I'm going to use whatever privilege I have again, you know, in this fight. But thank you so much for dropping that important information. Yeah, we appreciate anyone who listens. We appreciate it. I try. I try. My mom used to beat my ass when I didn't, so I learned something. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Whenever I hear that, I think about the area where I'm pretty privileged because when I got in trouble, I got a timeout and a talking to. That's. Are you serious? Oh yes, <laughs> sir. Oh my God, you got a timeout. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even know. Like, I'm jealous. And like, what was it like? Did you just talk to yourself? Did you have some time to just? reflect and like exhale and were you meditating like what what was a timeout like for you yes that's what it was because my I, I would sit in the corner and my mother would set a timer that had a ding at the end for 60 minutes and I would really sit in the corner 
And maybe for like the first 25 to 30 minutes, I would think about what I did and the fact that she told me not to do it. And I would question myself, why the fuck did I do it? She told me not to. And that's my mother. She's the one that provides food and shit. And then for the rest of the time, I shit you not, because I'm a hip hop head, I would just recite lyrics to myself because I got bored. And, and then You'd be in the corner just rapping, just having a rap battle to yourself. Yes, sir. No shit. That is what I did in in Washington State. I would rap to myself in the corner for 30 minutes. And then my mother would pull me out and talk to me. And then I didn't do that bullshit again. That's how it went down. So, I mean, are we talking Are we talking like Will Smith's parents just don't understand? Like, were we on that? You know what? It's not, actually, because my mother did understand. Because I had the kind of mother that, <laughs> yo, check it out, right? When I was six and five years old, she bought me the NWA tape on purpose. Wow. Yeah. And she would explain the lyrics to me so I would know why they're mad, why they're saying fuck the police, why Ice-T is saying kill a cop. She would explain it to me. And that's why I'm the type of lefty head I am. When we're watching a movie and a woman is about to get raped, my mother would tell me um, for her to get help, it's more um, pragmatic if she yells out fire mm-hmm. than if she yells out rape because people will come if there's a fire but they don't care if there's a rape because that's that rape culture shit and I'm going to go ahead and segment this one. Yes, sir. Uh, Charlotte, Washington from uh, 1958, uh, September 17th, and she died 1993, October 15th, 9-15, West Coast time. Wow. Wow. Rest in power, Charlotte. Real talk. Rest in power. Love. Real deal. And uh, off the top of your head, like, you know what? We're in conversation mode. Like, um... As a cis hetero man, like you're aware that rape culture exists, you may have seen some news stories like uh off the top of your head, like uh like what do you think? Like there's police out there raping folks, men no out question. You know, I mean it's it's again we, we keep going back to the interconnected issues that exist, right? And as a hetero male, I recognize that all hetero men are part of the problem, like rape culture. Uh, sexual assault, you know, rape, uh, you know, abuse, so on and so, domestic abuse. All of this is a systemic issue. It's pervasive. It's an epidemic. And for me, because I recognize that hetero men are part of the problem, I have to give effort and energy with the privilege that I have to try to be part of the solution. And I think that's extremely important. So in the role that I play as a black male in this society, as a black male teacher, I'm doing a lot of work inside and outside of the classroom, working with primarily black male youth, you know, our black boys, uh, and hopefully uh, modeling for our black young women and they as well in regards to what do healthy relationships look like? What do healthy relationships not look like? You know, why is race culture a pervasive issue? 
what does rape culture look like? You know, how does it play itself out? Because it's so nuanced at times that we may not even necessarily recognize it. And what I tell people is, I think it's ridiculous that you could literally ask every woman, do they know someone who has been raped or sexually assaulted? And they will say yes. But if you ask every man, do they know somebody who has raped or committed sexual assault? Somehow they say no. That's fucking impossible. We are part of the problem. And, you know, one of my biggest, and, I, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm laughing in a sense because it was sad. Sometimes I just have to laugh. So if you, you can actually Google this, two things that I've done, you know, and it was not just me, it's the community, but ways I tried to use my privilege. Four years ago, a group of young women entered into my office, you know, my, my, my teaching office at school, and told me that, you know, a rape had occurred. Uh, rape culture was extremely toxic within our high school building. So no question, I stepped up. Damn my job, damn whatever. You know, this is, a, again, myself trying to earn my allyship and verb form. We created a petition. We put the petition out there. We got loud as hell. And, you know, we ended up, well, they ended up with me supporting them passing uh, a new sexual assault policy uh, that holds individuals to greater accountability and, you know, implements, you know, more support for victims and survivors uh, because we know how pervasive victim blaming is. Yes. Uh, but again, that doesn't end it because the issue is systemic, you know, it's still somewhat treating symptoms. And then also, uh, I'm completely someone who's been against R. Kelly since I was a child uh, because I actually went to school with the young woman that was in his original video. Uh, the VHS tape, the infamous VHS tape. She was a freshman when I was a junior, this young lady. Uh, so I've always thought R. Kelly was a piece of shit. Uh, but again, you know, a microcosm of the bigger systemic issues that exist and that nuance that's involved, not only is he a, a, a perpetrator, is he a predator, but all the individuals throughout his history because he had talent that enabled him, that allowed him, you know, to prey on young women. Uh, so we actually protested in front of his studio, I believe it's about a year ago now or two years ago, you know, again, me trying to utilize my privilege, utilize my voice, getting behind, you know, women that are in this fight, the Mute R. Kelly movement. And it was so crazy to me that we're in front of this man's studio. We're wrapping up, you know, we protested, you know, people told their truth, speaking truth to power. And I shit you not, next thing I hear is R. Kelly music blasting. And I look to my left and I see a white Phantom, a white Escalade and a white Rolls Royce like pulled from the side of, you know, his uh, studio building. Mm -hmm. And there were counter protesters. I mean, we're talking black women, black men, counter protesting and supporting R. Kelly. Not supporting the victims, not supporting the survivors, supporting R. Kelly. And when they got out, I mean, it, it almost came to blows. So I'll be honest with you, you know, because I am a fighter. I fight with my mind, but I also fight with these fists if I have to. Uh, but I let, you know, I let, you know, I, I step back. You know, we have so many other people there that, you know, I would be worried about their safety. So we were able to de-escalate. But it was so telling in that experience to talk to these people that were in support of R. Kelly, but yet admitted that he had a problem, admitted that he left a long line of victims admitted that he needed help because we all know that hurt people hurt people but that's no excuse uh you know because my first sexual experience was when i was 12 years old uh but you know thankfully i spoke up about it uh you know i was sexually assaulted uh but thankfully i spoke up about it my family supported me and you know you know i, I still attend therapy to this day 
so hurt, hurt people hurting people is no excuse. But it's so nuanced, you know. And again, I don't know everything. I learn every day. But what you said is completely right. Men are part of the problem. So I'm speaking and reaching out to all men that hear this, that listen, we have to identify how to be part of the solution, whether that's in regards to rape culture, uh, whether that's in regards to homophobia, which is extremely pervasive as well, transphobia, you know, our, our black trans women, our black our brown trans women, trans women overall continue to be under attack and murdered throughout our nation. Uh, there's huge issues that hetero men need to step up and be extremely loud about uh, and identify ways that they can address Anthony, sir, I'm telling yo, if I was in your district, I swear to fuck, I'd vote for you and fucking write your name on my chest and walk around shirtless, like dead. Up. <laughs> hey, you can still do that, man. Do that. Do that now. Put, take your shirt off. I want you to scroll Anthony Clark 2020 on your chest. Go Facebook Live. Let's do this. We're going to be on the news tomorrow. <laughs> yes. Like, we need Anthony Clark in there yes. with a voice and a vote. Because keep in mind, yo, because the voice is powerful. Like, I know a lot of us lefty heads, we like Bernie Sanders. But let's not forget why we like Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. Because we watched C-SPAN before 2015. <laughs> and we would see whenever they said, the gentleman from Vermont has something to say. And he come out and talk wild shit. And even if his bill didn't get passed, it's now in our heads. Mm-hmm. And now we got Bernie bros. And it's like, we need the Anthony <laughs> Clark Club. We need the Clark Club on the set, cuz. Like, we need, like, Anthony Clark. <laughs> like, h- how old are you right now? I'm, I'm, a, I'm a young and sprite 37. 37. So you're Phoenix Kaleeder's age. Yes. Like... In the context of Bernie Sanders, you are a very young man. Mm-hmm. So, like, keep do not ever give up, yo. Anthony Clark, sir, do not give up. Keep talking this gangster shit. Every show you can get on, if, if you do get in Congress, I hope to holy hell you do, you get on the fucking floor and talk that shit every motherfucking oh, no time you can. No question. My grandma Lil, God rest her soul, she always told me, you know, we say speak truth to power, but she always say, talk your shit, Tony B. That's what she would call me. Talk your shit, Tony B. And, you know, I'm so glad you said that because I think too often, like I said earlier, this is bigger than me. It could be so easy for me to present myself like I'm a, you know, I'm civil, I'm a Barack Obama type or so on and so forth. You pander to certain voters. Uh oh, what happened? We lost Anthony. Hold on. Where? Where? What happened? Hello. Oh, there oh, you go. You you're back you on. Yes, sir. We got you. No. Okay. No. But I was saying, of course, we're in this to win. But most importantly, we're in this to push for change. We're part. This is bigger than just myself. This is bigger than just our campaign. So the only way I know how to run is speaking truth. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna pander. And when we win this seat, I guarantee you. The way I envision it is because of the systemic issues that have existed throughout history, if I get into Congress and I only have one term, but that one term is me talking <laughs> the most shit possible, speaking truth to power and tearing down that fucking system that is broken and is not serving people, that is more beneficial than 20 years in service of sitting on my ass and maintaining status quo. Yeah. Uh, because, again, it's bigger than myself. It's bigger than a title. We're truly trying to empower the people. 
That was enough of us fighting. There's more than enough of us fighting and speaking truth to power, but not enough of us have the platform uh, to spread our message. So I truly appreciate you and salute y'all. Thank you. Hell yeah, Phoenix Kalita. <laughs> I know you may have something, another uh, an article, a topic. Oh, uh, I thought we were going to talk about gaslighting, maybe. Can we talk about gaslighting? Gaslighting? Yes. Yes? Yes. Are you familiar with the concept? Sure. Yeah? Yes, I'm familiar with the concept. Our, our current president does it often and so many others. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe the current and even the previous president because uh, he needs to oh, take no down the Bernie bros. <laughs> oh. No question. You know, I just, you know what I need to see? That Michael Moore movie, 11 9. Have y'all seen that? Oh, the 9 uh, 11, uh, uh, the a Fahrenheit joint? So that was his original one, but he came out with another one. And I haven't seen the second one yet. But what I'm seeing on Twitter now is a, a segment, and that ties into gaslighting, the segment from that film to where uh, Obama is in Flint. He's in Michigan. <laughs> oh, and I don't know yes. if y'all saw this clip because they're sharing it around. When he gets on stage in front of a predominantly black audience who, of course, is being impacted by, you know, environmental crises, pollution, lead in their water, so on and so forth. And he asks for a glass of water while he's speaking. Yep. And initially, uh, initially, the crowd is like, oh, shit, he real as hell. Like they're thinking he's, you know, doing this to call out and speak truth to power. But this fool actually, like, pretended to drink the water. Mm-hmm. That's gaslighting. You know, that's that's part of it. that's gaslighting. Uh, so, you know, and I think, and again, y'all can ask the question, but I feel like one of my biggest pet peeves is the fact that, and this particularly happens with like liberals and the democratic party, we're so good at pointing fingers that we fail to look at our own party. We fail to look at ourselves and recognize the the direct roles we have played in the systemic issues we face. Trump is a symptom. Mm -hmm. He is a symptom. He is not a root cause. We, and when I say we, I'm talking the democratic party particularly the Democratic establishment, they benefit. You know, the Democratic establishment and the Republican Party are essentially two sides of the same coin. They both benefit from capitalism. They both benefit from patriarchy, oligarchy, and white supremacy. But yet the Democratic Party tries to, uh, you know, virtue signal, use identity politics, and put a different spin on it. You know, they essentially want us to be content but not empowered, you know, people of color and those oppressed. Uh, but no, gaslighting is a huge issue, so I'm gonna shut up and you know, please ask me any specific questions you have about gaslighting. Hold on, I'm actually gonna flip it a little bit because, like, one thing in particular, right? So Donald Trump, right now, he's not the root cause, but his no. st- his style of politics, like, uh, two or three decades out from now, his style of politics will be seen as a root cause for what we're going to see in the future. But also there's something else because we recently posted this on our website and we put links to the journalism behind it that uh, we're looking at Flint, right, with Obama and Flint. And um, right now what you're going to see in mainstream corporate media outlets is that Flint has $20 million for um, for re- uh, repairing the pipes And that is being framed as good news. But when you look into the stories, what is buried is that they actually need $200 million to fix the pipes. So it is $180 million bad news. 
<laughs> right? So that that's my framing for that. But then um, as far as, like, the gaslighting goes, Phoenix, you have something on that. Oh, no, I was just, uh, like, ideas on how to combat that. Because I totally agree with what you were saying as far as, like, the Democratic Party will be like, oh, well, you know, we're going to help you out. And Obama's cool, so he must be progressive. And, you know keeps convincing voters that they're the best hope we have and yet we never get shit <laughs> like every time how do we right. fix that you know because i see that all the time especially you know, on twitter yeah. but yeah yeah i mean for me it's, it's like and again you know this is just my experience i'm speaking you know making an i statement it comes with education you know i feel like you know as a teacher you know i'm making connections with so many you, you know youth leaders now who are just dynamic, you know, many of them are not, you know, being patient. They're not patiently knocking on the door and waiting for change. They're ready to kick the door down. But, you know, I'm, and I'm going back to the Democratic Party because I feel like, again, your messaging is for the people, people's empowerment. So the responsibility lies with you. We have decades and decades of, you know, uh, establishment candidates, incumbents, you know, for example, the incumbent I'm going against, Danny K. Davis, he's been in office, his specific his presidency for over 20 years. And many of the communities that he's over currently are devastated. Like we lack inf- infrastructure investment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we experience school closures, food deserts. I mean, the list goes on and on. High levels of poverty, gun violence. But there hasn't been a concerted effort for anyone, you know, whether they're running for mayor, mayor races, governor races, congressional races, to really go into the communities and really focus on coalition building and educating. Because my, my father and my mother, you know, loved them to death. They always said, if we don't know our past, you know, we're doomed to repeat it. We don't have a future if we don't know our past. And I think so many people are disconnected from that in a sense, and we become <laughs> content. And we allow gaslighting by President Trump and others uh, to occur without necessarily understanding how to fight back. And so that comes with education. You know, Fred Hampton, again, he stated it's a class war. And I truly believe that's the reason I'm supporting Bernie Sanders. That's where we need to get to. That's where we need to educate our people to understand that capitalism is inherently racist. It can't survive. It can't last without racism. Mm-hmm. Capitalism is inherently oppressive. It can't survive or last without oppression. So we have to get beyond our own individual identities, which are extremely important. But I cannot sit back and say that, oh, I'm a black male. So if I see President Trump or someone else gaslighting, which leads to attacks on, say, women, oh, that's not my fight. Or again, if a white woman who calls herself or wants to be an ally in verb form sees President Trump or someone else gaslighting where it leads to attack on black women or black men or black they, they can't sit back and say, that's not my fight. Because if we educate ourselves to understand that, again, this is about class at the end of the day. This is about the elite, the top 1% continuing to, uh, you know, widen uh, the economic wealth gap between us. Then we're all in this together. Our diversity is our strength. We bring ourselves into an intersectional movement and fight back. And the reason I think gaslighting works right now is because we're too separate. You know, we got some blacks over here that say, well, you know, the immigration fight's not our fight. We have, you know, immigrant families over here. Well, Black Lives Matter is not our fight. And know, we could go on and on. We have hetero individuals that say, oh, LGBTQIA plus issues are not our fight. This shit is all of our fight. And that's and that's what we need to get to. And I think that's the mindset we need to be in, that this is a class war. And when President Trump or anyone else gaslights because they do it purposely, it's like giving someone else the gun, you know, pointing them in a direction 
And then when they pulled the trigger, oh, well, hey, I didn't, I didn't have the gun. I didn't pull the trigger. It wasn't me. Mm-hmm. But you laid the groundwork. You provided them with the ammunition. You provided them with the weapon. And you provided them with the reason, premeditation. You provided them with that. But then you want to wipe your hands of it and act like you had no part in it. In order to truly fight that, again, we have to come together uh, as a class, as lower class, as working class, as the 99%. And imagine the strength we have if we truly do that. Nobody can stop us. Yeah. This is uh, WineCellarMedia.com. This is uh, Anthony Clark. As far as I'm concerned, the squad needs another member. And uh, <laughs> this is uh, Anthony Clark. And uh, don't, don't, do not sleep on what he said, right? capitalism cannot exist without oppression and now to my understanding uh you have another interview coming up at 5 p.m right now it is 4 57 <laughs> yeah yeah i do i do i appreciate y'all having me on uh you know heading over to another interview you know but again from the bottom of my heart you know from the bottom of my team's heart I thank you again for having me on. I hope the sequel was better than the first one, as I stated when we first got on this joint. Uh, but truly appreciate y'all. Really do. Thank you. We appreciate you. Yes, Please sir. always, always keep in touch. And I mean, and I, I'm going to tell we'll you, do. like, we'll do. like, I like DJ Quick, right? And I like Trey D. Mm-hmm. And I like Redman. But even though I have not heard you rap, you one of my favorite lighter skin brothers. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I'm almost tearing up. I feel like I need to be like on an Oscar stage, accept an award. Uh, like Drake say, I'm light skinned, but I'm still a dark skinned nigga. Like I feel like I need to accept something for that, like a dark, a light skinned, dark skin award. So I truly appreciate you. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna take that for granted. Like I, I want to thank my mom. I want to thank God and just everybody out there for this for this honor. Yes, sir. All right, that's when Anthony Clark. And uh, you go ahead and move on. Do you, oh, Phoenix has something to say. Sorry, last thing before we go. Um, can you give us your website and how people can help donate and get involved? Of course, of course. We're 100% grassroots. We're not taking any corporate money. We're powered by the people. If you want to continue to learn more, uh, website is www. Let me know how old I am. I'm saying the www.com. <laughs> Uh, voteanthonyclark.com check us out on Twitter Instagram it's Anthony uh, B. Clark 20 type that in follow us I will follow you back uh, you know we, we really building coalitions uh, you know building movements just picked up another endorsement for people for Bernie Sanders uh, we're endorsed by Democratic Socialists of America brand new Congress the list goes on uh, so we out here you know it's about revolution so if you ain't talking that I don't want to hear it appreciate y'all yes. all power to the people yes sir be safe out there peace y'all too one. One. Damn. Holy shit. That is a nigga ass nigga. Folks, that is <laughs> Anthony motherfucking Clark. Holy shit. Let me go ahead and segment that shit again. One more time for that ass. Yeah, it is all right. WineCellarMedia.com. We got a Phoenix Kalita up in the joint. William J. Blackass motherfucker. Ma'am. I thought it was Dark Skin Nigglesworth. 
aka dark skin nigglesworth <laughs> which is very distinguished it's a it's a pretty name check and make sure my microphone is be on mm-hmm. what are you looking at oh uh stuff stuff oh do you have a story i have i have saved shit on my face booze so we're looking at william j jackson's facebook because mm-hmm. we're responsible and do um programming okay all right so you know the wife school huckster wife school row elori cutno mm-hmm. and which is so close to a misogynistic uh slur oh my goodness hmm. like uh so this is row elori cutno this is a verbatim quote are you, you ready yes you're ready for some knowledge yep here it goes quote lady if you directly rescue a male, he'll never become a man. If he makes zero dollars, let him fall. Let the lights get turned off. Let the car stay broken. Let the refrigerator go empty. End quote. That is literally the whole quote. Oh, but there's more. What, what, what is more? Oh, wait. Oh, oh you know, you already saw that post? I did see it because I'm in a group where <laughs> he's one of the people we regularly make fun of. Oh, you mean like people in the comments? Yeah, like they just put up like screenshots of her stuff and then we just laugh at it in the group. <laughs> um, but no, there was like two other screenshots with that. Let me see if I can find it. Um, yeah, I know it's in here somewhere. Where did it go? This is a comment from um, LaVon Bellamy a cis hetero black man this is a comment on that post he said quote woo most will refuse this these inconveniences to have to face them again because no lesson has been learned um there's actually a 23 point thing here oh jesus <laughs> fucking christ so you said what you said um oh okay so this is basically the same thing but even funnier no! If any woman wants her broke or barely working husband to actually gain wealth, millions in parentheses. Millions. The main thing she needs to do is stop working. Like her. Like she's not working when she does this. Or when she owned a bank or... yeah. Oh yeah, she totally... Yeah, that's the thing about the wife school, Huckster. You don't know is that she doesn't work, but she made passive income by braiding hair. Braids that last over a year. What? That, yes, that's Nigga, the claim she a made. Year? Braids that last over a year, because that's hygienic, and uh, and not dreadlocks, and fucking um, she owned a water company and a bank. Okay. Yep. So that was number one. Number two. Also, she needs to stop directly providing. Number three. What? What if the babies need breast milk? Is that on the Shut man as up. well? Yes. Harry nipples pumping out breast milk. Yes. Number three, then fall back and find her femininity from home base. Relax. Enjoy. Number four, even if he makes zero dollars, let him fall. Number five. What? what? How, how do you let him fall? <laughs> it, like, think about it. It's a patriarchy, right? Mm-hmm. So the man calls the shots. Yeah. So how do you let him do any motherfucking thing? Hmm. I mean, if you think about it, under patriarchy. She's going to explain it. There is no rape culture under patriarchy right. because you let the man do as he will. She's going to explain it. 
I- I'm sure. All right. So number five. Dot 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 dot. Fucking. Let the lights get turned off. Number six. Dot. No. 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 You can't just say because. All right. Uh, so it's winter, right? Yes. And what if you live in a city where the gas company has bought off all the local politicians? Uh, what if you have kids and child services shows up? Child oh, services? I guess, I guess that's why she said that your husband matters more than your kids because you can always make new kids. Ooh. But what if child services walk in and they say, wow, they have an outstanding air conditioner on December 27th. There's <laughs> a really good, it's a really smooth air. It's very... Very breathable. I like this. Number six. Dot, 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 Fucking. Ah, use a colon, nigga. <laughs> Semicolon. Let the car stay broken. Because that's going to help him get a job, I guess. Keep in mind, they're also wealthy, but only have one car. Number seven. Dot, 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 dot. Fucking dot, 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 dot. <laughs> Wacko, Jacko, and Dot. These animatiac ass niggas. Let the refrigerator go empty. The fuck I look like going hungry because a nigga don't want to get a job. That's right. <laughs> fuck I you have like. to be hungry so you can have a um certified husband. <sighs> Number eight. Stop trying to rescue males from becoming men like their single mamas did. That's emasculation. Now, peep the um, the anti-blackness in that. But beyond anti-blackness, it's also like um, a uh, classism thing, even though the white school huckster is not actually wealthy. It's fake. Because wealthy people are noted in Forbes. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Especially fuck. if you have enough money to own a bank, a water company, and you made millions braiding hair that lasts millions. for a year. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Madam C.J. Walker ain't shit. Yeah, Nigga, it's it's about the roaster. Ugh. The rooster. They came to snuff the rooster, I think. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, the, the white people tuned in love that. Whew. They're like, oh, that's a, I get that reference. I uh, know it. Number nine, you are not supposed to be manning up, go sit down. So women are not. But if you think about it, so the vernacular, manning up, is like what? Put your emotions aside and just handle your business. So women should not handle their business. Yes. But like your business might involve your social security number. No. It, no? No. But what about, okay, so patriarchy. So patriarchy is very important. Isn't your business signing the marriage contract? No. No, no, the man just puts your name in print. Yeah, pretty much. All caps. All caps. <laughs> Who are you fitting to try? Yeah, because he, he capped your progress. Caps, caps. He did. <laughs> uh, ten, the manning up of females is abuses to, to themselves and masculine development. The manning up of females is? Abusive to themselves and masculine development. And again, manning up, handling your own business. So basically making it so that you, you can, can be self-sufficient without him is abusive to him, to him. So women <laughs> being able to pay their own bills and not be homeless abuses men. What did I say a couple episodes ago? 
No one loves capitalism and patriarchy more than ugly men. I get it. Like, men that are not considered ugly in the westernized standard. Also, B&I feet. Number 11, helping a male makes him grow weak. Wait a second. Yes. So, I I understand that (laughs) one, though, because that's one of those ones where where the... The proper response is what I would say is holy shit because the wife school huckster is their God. And if you have a male son, you do not change his diapers for him because that makes him weak. He can change his own damn diaper. Damn the rash. Damn the rash. Man up. Yes. Let him just fall on his face until he learns how to tie his shoes on his own. Put his shoes on his own. (laughs) Figure out what the fuck shoes are. Uh, number, oh wait, no, I just said that one. Helping a male makes him grow weak. Uh, So, numero doce. Doce. Males become men when they find their strength without the direct help of females. Helping him directly will ruin him. That's right. (laughs) That's a a fact-based fact. Like, if Hillary Clinton did not (laughs) help Bill be a rapist undercover, that would have ruined him. Uh, Yes. That was fucking weird and dark and overly political. Number 13. It may take years, but a male's masculinity will grow during struggle to provide and protect alone. So I gotta fucking stay hungry with my lights cut off for years while this nigga get his shit together? Wait, wait and provide alone? Okay, but also, the wife school huckster does say that there are more aggressive males out there. So what if he loses to one of them? He didn't patriarchy properly. Oh, yeah, male-on-male patriarchy. I got it. All right. Yeah. Since has been made. 14. Struggle life transforms into challenges. I don't even know what the fuck that means. As a struggle life, not already a set of challenges? What the fuck is it transforming into? Right. That's so intellectually disingenuous and lazy. 16. Small victories transform into greater confidence. 16. The SSAs. Um, Small victories transform into greater confidence. Transform? Yes. And again, the wife school huckster says that she's a linguistic expert, (laughs) but used transform when she meant translate and even would have used that incorrectly. My uh, my bad. My mother was a English major of the College of St. Elizabeth. I know what I'm talking about. Uh, 17. Greater pride transforms into increased respect. Respect for who? I don't know. His manhood or something. I don't know. Greater pride translates? Transforms. Oh, forms again. Fuck it. Okay, so the the white school hustler is an Autobot. Or Decepticon, (laughs) I think. (laughs) Decepticon. Well, she's not dark-skinned enough to be a Decepticon. Oh. Nigga, Decepticons are black as fuck. Nigga, nigga, Transformers is racist. (laughs) They made the villains so black. And then, remember, Leo, what, what was it? It was like Transformers 2 or 3, where oh, they had God, the... the coon bots. That's what I call them, the coon bots. <laughs> and keep in mind, okay, so some folks may not know, the Transformers franchise of movies, they had two characters in the second or third movie that were literally green and red, the color of watermelon, and they talked stereotypically black. And then, like, the last, like, 20, 15 minutes of the movie, 
they presented them with text and one of them said we don't do no reading i mean yeah oh my bad I- incorrect i'm we don't do much reading oh god so they can read enough to know that they're getting a hidden colors dvd but beyond educate, educate that, these nuts sir <laughs> All right, number 18 is kind of cut off. Uh-oh. Um, but it, from what I can see, increased respect becomes increased opportunity, especially something, something, something men. So especially for men or something. Okay, so increased respect is increased opportunity. Yes. For who? Men. For men. Yes. So if you respect a man, all of a sudden, like, so keep it in mind, right? Because... This is domestic, right? Yes. So behind closed doors in your house. So if you respect <coughs> the man more, all of a sudden capitalism is going to be nicer to him. Yes. Okay. Fact-based facts. <coughs> Excuse. Keep it going. 19. Increased opportunity becomes wealth. And wealth, for those of us that actually know fucking economics... Wealth is stagnant money. That's money that's not in motion. It's I think just that's what she says when she means passive, but she's like trying to con people. Trying to. Well, she's doing. she is conning people. <laughs> uh, Twenty wives also find creative. Wives also find creative ways to grow husbands' money. The more they're stress-free and feminine. Wait, what? What the fuck? Are they husbands or pimps? Wait a second. Say it again. Do it again. Wives also find creative ways ways to grow husbands' money the more they're stress-free and feminine. All right. A husband named Slickback. What's the next one? Uh, That's that passive income of standing up braiding someone's hair for 10 hours a day. Um, 21. Men stay with women who nurture them to grow more masculine. Other women only get and keep males. Oh, yeah. Ever since I've been with Phoenix Kalita, she's been making me more masculine. <laughs> like, and keep in mind, we've talked about this on the podcast before. I do some pretty hefty emotional labor, <laughs> which makes me more masculine, I guess. <laughs> Fine. Uh, 22. This is a science. No, it's not. God damn it. But Americans are removed from their feminine and masculine instincts. That's the whole thing? That's the whole thing. Okay, Breitbart, you got your headline. Just write anything, I guess. 23. Benta tres. Apply to wife school. That That's it? That's, that's how it ends. Fucking, is that not the huckster of the century? <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. WineSolarMedia.com, folks. I had six days off work. Uh, for folks that check out the programs, um, you may have seen we have an episode with Chelsea Springler. Okay, not Sprangler, as I've been saying it for years. Her name is Chelsea Springler. She's a fury feminist uprising against um, uh, inequality and exploitation. Fury, F-U-R-I-E, fury. Feminism against feminism uprising against inequality and exploitation. Yes. Chelsea Springler came on there and talked about a uh, rape culturist cop, Christian Daydre. And um, 
yesterday, right now it's uh, Monday, so yesterday, which was Sunday, uh, December 1st. Oh, which means we're going to have a, a Friday the 13th this month. Woohoo! Yeah. So, um, and I had a trans man, Parker, uh, Parker Hampton, on the program, which is my Washington State comrade, Parker Hampton. And uh, Parker's a nice young man. And because Parker looks so young, I told Cuz to his face, like, I, I want to call you a trans boy because Parker's a little ass boy, but also trans, so respect the pronoun. Parker's a boy. 24-year-old little ass white boy. And that's all right. And we, uh, and on this one, we just had Anthony <laughs> Clark on, which was explosive. The time flew by. It was good. Yeah, like, I looked, I was like, already, 17 minutes already? Fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, right now it's, uh, 5.16 p.m. as we're recording this audio, and, um, Anthony Clark had to do another program at 5 p.m., so let's hope to holy hell Anthony Clark for Congress wins that fucking seat. Yes. And after Anthony Clark is in Congress, well, we have the inside track. We'll hit that nigga up again and be like, yo, what's cracking in there, nigga? What's cracking?